It's my time to open up God's Word, and it's a privilege. Let me tell you, I don't take it uh, lightly or for granted, and um, I, don't, I hope you don't either, because, you know, all week we have other people cramming things down our throat and into our ears, and, and for many of us, um, this represents the one time that we get to pull away from, from the system of the world that is opposed to God and, and to hear God's truth explained. And um, I know I benefit from, from, honestly, just allowing people to explain God's Word to me, and I hope that, I hope that you are as well. Um, in a moment, we're going to be opening up God's Word to Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bible, you can go and work your way there. But I want to talk about a few things before we get to that. So I've got my notes here on my envelope that was uh, laying on the floor at the house. So um, just a few things that are, that are kind of going on in our church right now that I wanted to just touch base on. So, you know, we're in the midst of a lot of changes right now, Centerpoint Bible Church. Um, we really are. And, and you need to know that, um, that though many of these changes weren't really our decision, um, that's okay because Jesus Christ is the shepherd of this church. And Nothing that has happened of late is a surprise to him. And so um, I just want to, in the midst of this cha- these changes that are occurring, um, I just want to remind you today, through this time and as we open up God's Word, of, of things that, are, that matter and how we can be praying. I'm asking for you to be praying. I really ask you to be praying for our church and for our leadership. Um, first of all, regarding some of our children's ministries, you know that our desire and, and our, the, as the Lord has led for some of our leadership, um, we would like to start in the fall a specific ministry geared towards children, um, early age through about fifth grade on Wednesday nights. It's called Awana, but it's really about pointing them to Jesus. And we're praying that the Lord will reveal His will regarding that ministry through Centerpoint Bible Church. And here's how He's going to answer it. Do we have the staff to do it? Do we have the adults that say, I'm going I'm to commit for two hours a night, for 30 nights through the next year, that I'm going to come and point kids to Jesus Christ. And um, you can do it, all right? I, I know how it works. I, I've had children that have been part of Awana. I've, I've been part of leadership of Awana. I know how it operates. You can do it, and God will use it in your life. And so you pray about it. We need to know by, there's a date this summer, I think it's July 1st or so, that we're going to make the call on whether we're going to do that this fall. And so here's, what, here's why I'm telling you this. Not to, I'm really not trying to prod you or push you into doing something that God isn't calling you to do. I'm really asking you to pray. I'm asking you to pray for God's wisdom for our church, for our leadership, for Centerpoint Bible Church of whether or not this is his plan. We want, it, we want the Lord to lead us, and this is something that we have said to God. You show us and we'll follow, and here's how you're going to show us. Do we have the staff to do it? A second area that I'm asking you to pray as a body of believers, we need to be praying about something very specific, and that is we need an adult, a man or a woman, it doesn't matter, um, who will who will play a, a specific role in our children's ministries. You know, we, we have a, a, a busting children's ministry, and we're very thankful for all of you that work there. And, and it's, a, it's a great ministry, and, and you're going to hear all morning today how you should invest your time in what God is doing. But we need a specific person. We need a person who is a, who is a, a very effective administrator 
A person who, who just has an ability to, to keep things functioning in a way that is smooth and, and all the, the, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. You might say, well, I'm not a person that, that maybe you don't really feel drawn to like work one-on-one with kids, but you could oversee, help oversee our adults that work with kids and just kind of help that to run smoothly and administrate that. That's what we need right now. We're calling it a Christian ed director for our church, and it's just a, it's a, it's a person who says, I'm an administrator, uh, this is how God has put me together, and, and I will work to help make our ministries function effectively and in an organized manner. If God is prodding you in that direction, you say, that kind of sounds like me. I remember one time hearing somebody up front talking about a, a need in ministry. And I sat there and thought, that sounds like me. That sounds like me. If that sounds like you, I encourage you to talk to Pastor Justin Whited. Let him know that, that that's something that, that the Lord could use you in, and we would love to have your help in that regard if God is prodding you in that way. I'm just asking you to be praying. And thirdly, um, so though many of you probably aware of this, but, but I'll just kind of run through some of the details. Last August, we got, we got word from the Berkeley County Schools that we needed to develop an exit plan from Spring Mills Middle School. We've been meeting here for about a decade. And um, it was out of nowhere really for us, but, but it happened. And so um, we are now making a plan to leave Spring Mills Middle School. And we'll actually begin meeting at another location on June 9th. And we're, we're excited about that. We're excited about the opportunities that that, that may bring for us. Um, but there's two specific ways that I'm asking you to be praying in that regard. First of all, we are still seeking a permanent facility for Centerpoint Bible Church. And, and since we shared with you on April 7th that we have said to the Lord, God, this is your property. We're letting go. We're, we, we are not going to hold on to this. We are, we are letting go. And this is how our pastors are thinking about it. Palms down. We're not snatching it. We've just said, God, this is yours. If you want to sell it, then sell it. If not, then don't. But we're still desiring a permanent facility right here in the Spring Mills community. And even since we shared that with you on April 7th, I believe it was, um, maybe April 14th, we've had two possibilities that have flashed up. Okay, as things that, that might work for us. So why am I telling you this? Am I ready to show pictures up on the screen and tell you to no? We're asking you to pray. To pray for God's wisdom. We need wisdom. We have knocked on over 20 doors. 20 conversations. And no, 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 20 times. And now there's two unique possibilities that are right in front of us. So we're seeking the Lord's will. If we have to go into this without the body praying for us, we are destined for failure. I'm asking you to pray for us. That God would lead and that God would provide. We need him to lead in these conversations that occur. And for him to just open up doors that just shock us. We just say, how can this be? How, how could this ever work? We need you to be praying with us that those kind of things would happen. Because our desire is to, to come back here. That's my, that's my desire, that we would come back, maybe not to Spring Mills Middle School, but to the Springs Mill community and, and continue to be a, a strong force for Christ here. But my opinion at the end of the day really doesn't matter. We need the Lord to direct us. So pray with us. Pray that God would lead us. 
And in the meantime, on June 9th, we're going across to Faith Christian Academy, and that will be a great opportunity for us to point to Jesus. So pray with us that, that God uses that there and that he continues to use us here in this community. I know a lot of people don't like change. I know that. I know that. Um, change is just part of life. You either change or die, right? Ask the dinosaurs. That's just the way it works. So we're walking through some changes right now, but we're going to be okay. We're going to be all right as long as we pray and seek the Lord and don't operate in our own strength. That's what we need. So you join with us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now before we open up his word. Father in heaven, Lord, I do thank you for your provision. Lord, you have led us. You have shown us what your plan is. We just follow the next step. And Lord, we, we are holding things loosely, palms down, and walking by faith, and trusting on the authority of your word that that pleases you. You are pleased by those who walk by faith, those who live by faith. And so, Father, be pleased by us. Lord, we need you to direct this. We, we have areas of, of need in our ministry. We need to know what your plan is regarding these ministries next fall. We, we need help with overseeing our children's ministry. Lord, we need direction with our building process, facility search. We need you to, to move regarding FCA. So, Lord, just we are, we are desperate for your leading. We ask you to give it to us. And now, Lord, we're going to look in your word. And I pray our hearts would be ready to receive. Show us what you want to do in us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One other thing that I want to mention before I get into the passage today. Um, next Sunday is going to be a neat Sunday for us. Um, I mean, every Sunday is a good Sunday. But next Sunday is, is unique. Um, so next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month. So that means it's first focus time. So rather than our typical focus groups, um, we all meet as a group. But, but next Sunday is kind of a unique first focus. Um, first of all, we'll be having a parent dedication part of our service. And, and what that is is there are people in our body who have had children or maybe they have teenagers, but, but they, have, they, they want to come up front in front of us, and they want to ask us to partner with them in, in pointing their children to Jesus. We don't baptize children here, but we, but we do as parents commit as a body to be together through this process. A politician a couple years ago said it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a church, folks. It takes a church. I've had my children in, involved in church ministries for, for all their life, and I'm thankful for you that have been in their lives and have loved on them and prayed for them and, and been there with them. It's never been perfect, but you've been there, and, I, and that, I'm grateful for that. We have other parents in our body who, who want to do that next Sunday. So that'll be during the first focus time, and that's always a neat time. If you want to be a part of that, after the service today, right afterwards in the cafeteria, we're having a meeting for all those people and talk to you about what that entails. Um, It's nothing nothing difficult, but just want you to understand what what that is. But also during the first focus hour, um, we're having a special special visitor with us next week. Um, He's a personal friend of mine, somebody I was in ministry with before, and he's now very involved with a a group right here in Berkeley County called Bethany Services, and what they they primarily work with is um, in the area of foster care care. And so Bethany Services is desiring to raise up believing families, Christians, who are willing to be part of the foster care system. 
you does, if you work with children anyway, whether that be in the schools or, or as a coach or in the community, you know that kids today are in terrible circumstances, many of them. And a lot of times the, the, the authorities need a place to put a child for a week or two or, or eight months or longer. And they're desperate now. They're desperate for foster care. And so next Sunday, there'll be a, a short sort of presentation for about helping us understand how we could be part of that. The desire is to see Center Road Bible Church foster some of these kids that, that need a place to land for a little while. And I want to say this, too. This is, this is really interesting, the way that God works. I had a person contact me, um, and they represented a group of people that I know, and they are all, they're all pretty blessed financially. And um, they wanted to do something with their blessing. And they said, um, here's, what, here's what we'd like to do, Lowell. We're not calling all the churches in the county. We're just calling a few, and Centerpoint is one of them. And they said, if you have a member of your church that's looking to adopt, we're ready we're ready financially to step in and help them significantly with those costs. These people weren't able, they're not able to adopt because of their, where they, their life stage, but they, but they want to help. So if you're a person that, that says, you know, this is something God's prodded me towards, um, the body of Christ is ready to stand with you and help with that. And so just some neat things that are happening, you know, that we're getting opportunities to, to do what God has called us to do point to Jesus. Well, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25 today, and today is the uh, third of several weeks on this passage, okay? We're going to look at Matthew 25 verses 13 and following. Um, It's not common for us to spend a series of weeks on one passage, but we are right now, Um, and the reason is it is just so packed full of relevant teaching. This is the very last parable that Jesus told before he was betrayed. This is it. This is his last teaching with his followers. He spent about three years with them. About halfway through that time, he, he kind of changed gears in his teaching style. He started telling parables. The reason for that was, if he didn't, they'd have killed him too early. And so he started telling parables. These are, these are stories, earthly stories that have a spiritual meaning. So Jesus, on the spot, is the great teacher that he is, on the spot now, he, he, he invents a story to, to bring a huge spiritual lesson for his listeners. And now here we are 2,000 years later. And this story, this parable that Jesus told is now echoing forward. And we're going to talk about it today as we have of late. Now I want to, you're going to help me up back there in the, in the back. Because I, I can't really do anything with it right now. So I want to just, I want to walk through this a little bit. And, and try to understand just kind of where we've been. The, 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 the broad topic of what Matthew 25 is talking about is the concept of stewardship. Now, that's not a word that we use very often, okay? So let me just give you an idea of what it means. To be, to be a steward, stewardship is a way of living your life where, where somebody of great wealth gives you something and says, use it in the way that I would if I were there. That's what the concept of stewardship is. And you and I have been given an enormous trust. And we're going to see that played out in our passage. 
So let's look here at Matthew 25. I think I've got a slide to kind of help you with the plot a little bit. But I want to start reading now at verse number 13. And I'm going to say, I'm going to comment a little bit as we go through this and hit some of the things that we've already talked about kind of as a review. First of all, I believe the passage should be broken up at verse number 13, not number 14. Your, your Bible translation may have a, have a large white space in front of verse number 14. No, that's added literally hundreds of years after the Greek New Testament was written. And so, really what we have here is Jesus, he's, he's, he's just telling several parables, several stories that just go one right after the other. And I think this one really starts at verse number 13. Look what he says. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And in the context, he is talking about what's referenced in 20, chapter 24, verse number 44, when he says, the Son of Man is coming back, but you don't know when. You don't know when. You don't know when to expect it. So what Jesus is doing here is he's telling us some stories to help to bring a spiritual truth about his return. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to return. And he wants us to understand some truth about that return. <coughs> so he says this. For it will be like a man going on a journey. Now Jesus in this story is the man. The story that he's telling is about himself. He says, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. That's stewardship. That's what that is. They've been entrusted with property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Each according to his ability. Now let's deal with this word talent. We talked about this before, but let's remember what this is. This is not an ability to play the piano or sing a song or kick a soccer ball. Okay. Now, incidentally, that's where we get the word talent from this passage. Okay. That's where we get the word talent from the Latin translation of the Greek text. That's where we get the word talent. But that's not what talent meant in Jesus' day. We need to understand what did Jesus mean when he said talent. He did not mean singing a song. That's not what he meant. What he meant was a measurement of weight. A talent was the largest measurement of weight in this Jewish society. It was somewhere between 55 and 70 pounds. It kind of varied a little bit. And so when Jesus says he gave one person five talents, another two talents, and another one talent, he gave them a series of weighted objects. And later in the passage, we're going to find out that they're made of silver. And what this was in that day was it was a means of, of accruing wealth. So he gave a person a talent talent of silver. Now, you may not have any idea how much a talent of silver is worth, so let me help you. It's a lot of money. A talent of silver was worth, you ready for this? 6,000 days worth of work. 6,000 days of work is a talent. Now, do the math, okay? 6,000 days of work, that's about 20 years of work. Let's figure a person makes $50,000 just to make the math easy, okay? You may make much more than that. You may make less than that. It doesn't really matter. Let's just figure $50,000. 20 years, 50000 How much is a talent? Do the math. $1 million. So to one person, he gave $5 million. Another person, he gave $2 million. And to the third person, he gave $1 million. This is stewardship, folks. God gives to these, the master gives to his servants authority over this great wealth. 
So Jesus wants us to understand. He wants us to understand something about him and our living for him. Let's keep going. And then he went away. The master leaves. Jesus is helping his disciples understand. I'm leaving, guys. I'm leaving. I was with you, but now I'm going to leave. So he goes and tells a story. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. He took his five million dollars and he traded with them. He became involved in the master's business and earned five five million more. So also, so in the same way, he who had the two talents made two two talents more. Verse 18. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Do you feel the tension? What happens? The master comes back. He calls in the servants. He says, all right, guys, let's hear it. I've been going a long time. Well, he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more and saying, master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. This, a talent was literally a, 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 it was a piece of metal that you could grab with a handle and carry. So he's got to get help now to bring these ten talents to the master. Here I have five more, he says. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward and said, Master, you delivered, me to two ta- you delivered me two talents? Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, the exact same thing. He said the same thing to the two. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Just incidentally, notice here. Notice, Jesus calls a million, well, five million dollars little. You've been faithful over little. He's talking about a huge amount of money. His listeners were like, little? What do you mean? Five million dollars? This was, a, this, this amount of money would be, hyper, it's, it's, it's beyond your ability to even understand it. He's speaking hyperbolically. It's like five million dollars, two million dollars? They're shocked. And Jesus says, you've been faithful over little. Listen, the world says money is everything, but it's a lie. It's a lie. In God's economy, you know what money is? Little. Little. But we have been entrusted with much. So what do we have? Well, now we come to what I think is Sort of the key of this parable. I really think Jesus is telling this parable for the remainder here. And I think in the true context, what he's doing is he's correcting their Jewish listeners who have been given, they have, they have centuries of truth and they have abandoned it all and rejected Christ. In reality, the rest of this parable, Jesus is speaking of the Jewish listeners, any of those that could hear, who are preparing that very day to rebel against Christ and to kill him. Look what he says. He also had received one talent, came forward. He said, Master, 
I knew you to be a hard man. Harsh, abusive. That's what that word means. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So he's saying, you take what doesn't even belong to you. That's who you are. I know you, master. So I was afraid. Of course he was. He doesn't know the master. He has no relationship with the master. So of course he's afraid of the master. I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. He dug a hole and threw the whole pile of silver into the ground. And then he says this, and this statement right here is, this is the hardest statement to read in this whole parable about man's response to God. Look what he says. Here, you have what is yours. In other words, and I'll keep what's mine. See that? But his master answered him, and look what he says. You wicked, it's the word evil, you wicked and slothful servant. Slothful, of course, means lazy. This is long naps. It's sleeping into one in the afternoon, right? This is, this, you know what sloth is. He says, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown, and you knew that I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. I ask you, verse 28, who's, who's the master talking to? I wonder. He said, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. But to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not... Even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Great, great teaching by Jesus. And what I want to talk about today, where I want us to drill down today, is is a specific area that Jesus is referencing, and that is the use of our time. Our time. There are, there are words all through this passage that speak of time, of time. Time is throughout this passage. And, and let's remember that a stewardship is given great trust. They're, they're, they're given a trust, and they're trusted with it. And they have complete authority. These stewards have complete authority what they're going to do with the talents. I mean, they can either invest it, like the, some of them did, or they can take it and throw it in the backyard. They have complete authority. And you and I have complete authority over our time. You can use your time any way you want to, right? I mean, you have absolute authority over it. Now, in reality, your, your, your use of your time and your freedom of your time is driven by your priorities. But the, the truth is, you and I are given complete authority over our time. But another thing this passage will show us is, not only do we have a trust and authority, there's also great accountability for how we invest our time. There's time all through this passage. Let me, let me start out here. Look at verse number 14. I, I want us to see, I, first of all, I want us to look to Jesus. 
okay? I want us to look to Jesus. The, the one thing that we can see here is, is we're being pointed to the first and the second coming of Jesus. Notice in verse 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey. And I said, folks, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. He's going on a journey. He's with his disciples, but he's going to leave. He's with them now, but he's going to leave. So what Jesus, what, what I want us to think about for a minute is the incarnation. The fact that Jesus became a man and he's with his disciples. And I want us to think about that relative to time. Think about this for a minute. When Jesus became a man, he took on flesh. He humbled himself and became a man. And we are to have the mind of Christ and, and, and humble ourselves in that way. But not only did Jesus take on flesh, he took on time, folks. Think about this. Time is a trust. And time is an expression of priority. Time is an expression of value. Time is a currency. And when Jesus came to earth, he had been eternally with the Father. The Trinity had been eternity together. Jesus, always the Son, with the Father, in eternity past. And he took on flesh and took on time and grew up. Think about that. Had to mature and walk through life, getting older for 33 years. He took on time. What an expression of love that is. Time is love. It is. We've been trusted with time. And the reason why I wanted to start with time is it's the great equalizer. Oh, some of us have more money than others. Some of us have more education or experience than others. Some of us might have more abilities than others, but we all got 24-7. That's it. That's it. That's all you got. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's it. That's all the time you got. It is the great equalizer. Jesus took it on for us. He was beyond time but yet lived for 33 years in this body. He was beyond time, but hung on the cross for six hours. Hmm. He was beyond time, but had to experience a time where he was separated from the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For a time, he was separated from the Father. Folks, we have a stewardship of time and we have the model of Jesus who loved by time. And he says, I'm going to go on a journey, all right? I'm going to go on a journey. And look at verse number 19. Look down there, verse number 19. Now, after a long time, the master returned. He's coming again. Jesus is going to come a second time. He came the first time as the lamb. He's coming again as the lion. Now, we could spend a great deal of time talking about the return of Christ, but we don't have time for that. So I encourage you to listen to the podcast that's coming tomorrow. Pastor Justin and I are going to talk about what, what theologians call the two-stage return of Jesus. That Jesus is going to return, he's going to rapture the church, and then he's going to come and land on earth sometime later. He's going to return physically to the earth. But here's what I want us to understand. It could come at any moment. Jesus could return now. 
We do not know when he will return. And it was the same with these servants. They did not know. And that drove them to action. Drove them to action. Let's go on a little bit to another time principle. And that is, what does it look like to be a faithful steward of time? What does it look like? Well, look at verse number 16, and we'll see some hints. He who had received the five talents went and traded them and made five talents more. Right? Wrong. Let me read it again. He who had received the five talents went and traded them and made five talents more. That's not what it says, but that's what we live it says, he who had received the five talents went, what? At once. At once. Every word is inspired and useful for teaching and instruction and correction and righteousness. Every word. Jesus said the man went at once. That's not what we do. We say, yeah, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. Why well, don't you see who had that attitude? Jump down to verse number 24 with me. He who had also received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, gathering where you do not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. See what he did? He did nothing. He did nothing. He did not invest his time. Now, I've got a, a slide I'll put up on the screen. It was produced by a professional artist, as you'll be able to see, if Randy can help me out. There it is. Yeah, that's my chicken scratch. Um, I, w- I want you to understand that the human way of thinking about time and compare that to Jesus' perspective on time. First of all, understand that there's all kinds of time we can talk about. There's eternal time that we have all of eternity to worship God, and that's certainly true. Then we have a lifetime, all right? So that's, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, so we'll say 125 years, okay, that you have to live, right, whatever it might be. You've got a lifetime, okay? And and usually that's how we think about our lives. But I want to challenge you with another concept, and I just made this word up, but, but here's the concept. But you have relative time, relative time. Here's what this means. We all have moments in time. Moments that are going to be here and then gone. And they won't be here for your life. They won't be here. I mean, here's the, here's, the, here's the obvious example to help you understand what I mean. If you have children, you have them in your home for a while, and then they're gone. And I and I'm, I'm soon will be saying goodbye to, to the third. And it, it's, it's like, where did time go? Where did time go? It's here, it's gone. And the opportunity is gone with it. See, the five-talent man said, i got to get to work now, at once. The relative time is here. I can't let it pass. There's not a lifetime. There's not a lifetime. Listen, there are relationships that you have right now that are going to go away. I've been part of church for a long time, and I'm telling you how it works. You have relationships, you build friendships, you have this connection, okay, and you're, you're a family, and you're tight, and then somebody moves away. It just happens. And you, don't, you can't see it coming. All of a sudden the person says, I'm moving to Idaho. Really? And it's gone. 
and it rarely ever comes back. That's the nature of relative time. It's here for a moment, and the question is, will we be faithful with it? God brings an opportunity. It's a talent, folks. It's a talent. It's worth a million dollars. God brings this opportunity, lays it in your lap, and right there it is. And the question is, will you use it at once? Or will you say, eh, I'll look at it the way I look at everything else. And now we get to my handy-dandy chart. See, human wisdom is this. Well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll plant a seed here in the ground, and I'll come back, and I'll water it. And in 30 years, I'll have a beautiful oak tree. Or I'm going to invest this money in the, in the stock market, and it's going to make 5.8% compounded annually. And so in 20, 30, 40 years, I'll be a rich man. That, and that's exactly how natural growth occurs. That's not the way Jesus lived his life. That is not the way Jesus lived his life. See, that reveals a thought that believes I've got a lifetime so I can just put a little bit in here. I can just commit a little bit because after all, take a little bit and multiply it by 40 years and we have a wonderful produce. Jesus had three years. Three years. Years. And so his commitment was great. He said, I don't know. I don't know how much longer I've got. He knew, but we don't know how much longer we've got. How much relative time do I have? I don't know. So I'm all in. I'm all in. Let's stop being satisfied with natural growth. Yeah, maybe, you know, in a few years you'll have a baby and they'll grow up and, and they'll get saved and, and then, you know, we'll naturally grow. Let's commit our lives to pointing people to Jesus because the time is short. A, he may come back at any second. B, you may drop dead, or the person who's in your life, relatively speaking, may drop dead any second. Or C, or three, whichever one I used. C, people move. Relationships change. Things happen. You have a relative opportunity. It's going to be here and gone. Let me give you a real-life practical example of this. Just this week. I had a busy week, just like you. Had a lot of need to get done, just like you. And so I said, you know what? What I'm going to do is I, I've got a couple hours here. I'm going to go to McDonald's. I know, it's weird. I'm going to go to McDonald's, put in my headphones, put on some music, and I'm going to work to prepare what I need to do. I'm going to do my work of the ministry right here sitting at McDonald's. Earphones in. All right. Well, I wasn't there about five minutes. And sure enough, this young man comes and sits next to me. And God didn't write on the wall. There was no loud voice. But I knew. It was a relative time. It was a moment. And so for the next 30 minutes, I didn't do what it said to do on my day timer. I, I, I didn't do what, what I thought I'd planned out that day to do. I told this young kid about Jesus. He's a Mormon. On his way to hell. Literally said to me, I said, so tell me this, if you were to die right now, do you think you'd go to heaven? 
Now, he gave me a weird answer at first, but then I said, what do you think, though? But would you go there? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, my good would have to be better than my bad. He literally said that. He literally showed me the balance scale. It's a relative moment. Here and gone. I may never speak to this person again. What if I would have said? What if I would have said? No, can't do that. I, I know I'm going to use my time, and I'm, that's not how I'm going to use my time. That's not what I'm going to do. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to put you in the ground, and I'll cover it over, and maybe I'll come back and talk to you later. That's the one talent man. That's the one talent man. Jesus knew his time was short. He understood relative time. And so he invested greatly. And then just to, to finish up what, where I plan to go, just understand that, that eternally, eternally, stewards are to be rewarded eternally for how they, they use this time that God has given them. There is eternal reward for, for how we use this, this time, this talent, whatever it may be. When Jesus says, in verse number 22, and, 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 and all through that passage, 21 will work for us, when he says, Enter into the joy of your master. Here's what Jesus is referring to. I believe he's referring to the celebration that will be our eternity. He talked about it all through the Gospel of Matthew. I'll just give you the references. Not 8, 10, 22, 2, 22, 8, 25, 10, 25, 12, 25, 21, 26, 29. He's talking about this great celebration. Sometimes we call it the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where we as the servants of Christ, as the followers of Jesus, will sit with him at a table, he describes. At a table. And you might think this is weird, but it's what the Bible says. Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, there. And we will have a time of fellowship with the Lord. And it will be a time of rewarding for those who are willing to trust the master enough to engage in his plan. To take the talent that he'd given us, be it time, money, skill, experience, relationship, whatever it might be, and invest it in what God called us to do, fulfill his commission. Go and make disciples in my name, Jesus said. It's time to stop piddling around in the little things of the earth that only rust and are nothing more than moth food. It's all they are. But God has given you a trust. A trust. And said, join me. I give you authority. Use it in the kingdom. I modeled it to you, Jesus is saying. I modeled it. I brought time. I, I invested time. I modeled it to you. Look at my model. Walk as I walked. Now you go and invest time. I'll let God's spirit prod you where you're supposed to live this out. I'll say there's an opportunity even today. There's an opportunity even today. Pastor Billy and Ryan will be, will be leading in, in some training for gospel conversation training, and that, that's a great way for you to, to, to practice this skill. But the point is, you, you 
need to follow the master's call and invest. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your will, for your, for your gospel truth. Lord, for the reality that we can have relationship with you because of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful in what you've given us. We don't all have the same, but we all got 24-7, Lord. And I pray that your spirit would prod us in some way today that we might invest in your kingdom. Give us that kind of trust, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you would, help us out this morning. We've tear this room down. There are rooms down the hallway, you know, we've got to tear down. So especially we need some young, strapping, muscle kind of guys to get down that way and lift up some of those carts and those kind of things. And baby dedication right after the service. Thank you, Pastor Billy. We're going to have a meeting about that in the library. Lots of things going on today. Help us out with the room. With that, you are dismissed.